Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to 15 Minutes with Lincoln. I am one of your two hosts, Timothy Robert Dunn, a common man in Chicago. And I am one of the other two hosts, Abraham Lincoln, now a common man here in Chicago, but formerly the 16th president of the United States. Uh, this is a political podcast, Abe bringing his, um, you know, historical uh, perspective to my, uh, I guess, millennial um, retelling of sound bites from the news. Typically, I provide a historical perspective on right. the day's political events. That's what I've been including in all the letters I'm sending out to potential sponsors. Uh, folks, if, you're, uh, if you've been with us for a long time, you'll know that we sort of bounce back and forth between, I guess, explorations of modern culture and uh, the news. This is going to be one of the bummer episodes. I'm just warning you up top. It's... Not a bummer in the sense that we're going to spoil Batman versus Superman for no. you. No. It's a bummer in that we're going to actually talk about political events. Yes. We're, when we get to it, a lot like Slate's Political Gab Fest or 538 or... Yeah, uh, The Weeds. Um, Pod Save America. Uh, Politicast. Yeah, any of those. Any of them. We got a number on them. Because, you know, most of the time they don't have a former president as a guest. No, they don't. And I feel like that hasn't caught on enough in our sort of hype about the show. I know. I'm trying to make that clear right. when I'm sending out these emails to yeah. the mattress companies and the energy drinks. The, um, the And these are the mattresses that can fit in a box the size of a mini fridge, Yeah, they right? can okay, ship to gotcha. you. And it's a couple of those um, at-home erectile dysfunction Stamps, treatments. Stamp companies. Stamp companies. Yeah. So I'm doing my best. Okay. I should mention, just in case anyone's wondering, I also served in the Illinois House of Representatives and the U.S. House of Representatives. I was a lawyer. I worked at a general store. I split wood. I shot dogs. I had a whole lot of vocations. Don't, don't include that you shot dogs. I also piloted it's, a river raft there you go. all That's the way good. down from uh, Illinois to New Orleans. Did you know I did that? I, I think you've told me that on a number of occasions. That's a yes. very long distance. Yeah. Like, that's even like a two, three-hour train, two- or three-day train ride. Yeah. And it's one of those uh, things that you have to keep in mind that, like, back in your day, people did a lot of things for work just to get by. It was the original gig economy. And just like you, we didn't have health insurance. Uh-huh, yeah. You kind of just went out into the woods and died, or died hopefully warm in a bed. No, you typically suffered for days with yeah. your loved ones around you, thinking about it, watching over you. And, and If you were lucky, someone gave you some opium. Oh, I, I never saw opium in my no. life. Well, I would say that's why people either really believed in God or not so much. Yeah. Uh, Abe, so the Washington Post released these uh, really profoundly de- depressing uh, papers about uh, the Afghanistan war. And I apologize for coloring them that way. I just don't know how else to talk about them. I think you could talk about them as, uh, I don't know, I don't, you don't need to say I, that I, I don't need to say I told you so, or you don't need to say I was right. But Excuse me? I just have kind of always questioned this forever war right. in forever places. Uh-huh. See, what is also clear to me reading, upon reading these papers and yeah. these reports is that the public not only has a right to know, but a right to consider and question things that we've now taken for granted. For instance, I was thinking back on wars that I knew of in my, you know, in my experience. You were, and that you were involved in? Well, yeah, just a little bit. But sure. All of the wars that I could think of, and correct me if I'm wrong, had a very, actually, murky reason for starting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Except for the war in Afghanistan. Uh, yes, I had the same thought when I was thinking back to, I guess, when I was thinking about the comparison between Afghanistan and Vietnam. 
Sure. Vietnam, yeah. you have the whole Gulf of Tonkin situation. where Still murky in terms of the uh, accuracy of right. the Gulf of Tonkin. And it was clearly just a justification because people in our country wanted in that war. Now, that was also what I've read, very similar to the Spanish-American War, which took place after my time. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, a ship was sunk and we have to retaliate. And we slowly kind of amped things up. However, the Spanish-American War had the whole Monroe Doctrine about our sphere of influence. Right. And I will say that that whole general Caribbean was considered Santo Domingo when I was around, and there were lots of folks who wanted us to annex it. I had many more things that I had, had to do. You had other stuff going on. Namely, I was trying to purchase land in Central America that I could ship all the African Americans to. It's, uh, yeah. I was about to say, let's not get into that, but maybe, you know, another time we should do a full, another full episode. <laughs> I've done several, several... It's, it just bears repeating sometimes. Uh, Abe, you don't feel like World War II had a proper justification? World War II? Uh, uh, well, th- let's talk about the start of the war, though. Uh-huh. It's just, it was uh, the appeasing of, of Adolf Hitler? Uh, by the U.S.? Oh, dang, I guess that is a good one with the clear start. I was mostly thinking about the Mexican-American War. Uh, sure, well. of course. Yeah. This, I was uh, an author of the spot resolution demanding the president to form the United States at the exact spot that hostilities took place. Yeah. It was a very clear, uh, flimsy justification to begin a war. I mean, you go all the way back to the Peloponnesian War, it's it's uh, it's up there. I... Uh... I guess I here's where I, I get where you're coming from. Afghanistan, for a while, was a war Americans felt proud of. So this is what, yes, felt proud of. Yeah. And they judged it, I think, because in some ways people now, I know, understand that you say correlation does not cause. <laughs> this is a thing I say? Well, correlation is not causality. Yeah, right. But I do think people see that, oh, ever since we've been in Afghanistan, we haven't had another 7-Eleven. That's the justification. Stop it. 9-Eleven, you know that. So, uh, just a good old-fashioned joke. (laughs) Make sure people are still listening. Just keep going. And I think that that's uh, problematic and troublesome. And and when you read this Afghanistan report, Mm -hmm. you saw that that was very clearly part of the spin, is that whenever there was, you know, uh, they were always coming up with a new way of presenting the information. Oh, yes, more troops are getting shot at, but that's because we're taking the fight to them. Yes, there have been more suicide bombs lately, but that's because they're getting desperate. Yes, there have been a lot of American casualties over there, but that's because they're fighting us on their ground and Mm -hmm. not on our ground. It's also, it, um, yeah, you're right. You can't see the direct correlation between Afghanistan and another attack, but at the same time, another attack's coming. Like, one day. It's going to happen. You know, they're going to, you know... What are you planning? <laughs> I like that you didn't press me on the Civil War, not like having a murky starting point. But I will say that there... Having pe- a murky starting point. I mean, having, I, my point was that all wars kind of have a murky starting point, except for Afghanistan. And now I see World War II with the whole... Pearl Harbor. Yeah, and the European theater. But uh, I... Well, yeah, okay. So your the Civil War, it was very... It felt very, just in reading about it, orchestrated, the start of the war. Like, they well, said, do not resupply this fort, and you said, I'm resupplying this fort. Do you know why I had to resupply the fort? Because the previous administration, the war secretary, the president, allowed Southern sympathizers to completely drain every single mm-hmm. armory in these Southern slave states. Right. And this, correct me if I'm wrong, Abe, Fort Sumter, correct? Yes. Okay. Which you have been to. I've been to. Uh, great tour. Um, yes. Uh, 
but it felt like, I mean, both sides wanted in, you know, or I guess you the probably North, didn't the want North did not want in. <laughs> The North never wanted in. Have you heard of but a Copperhead? But you saw it as an inevitability, right? I never saw it as an inevitability. I certainly did not want war, and the North didn't want war for a million sure, reasons. They course. wanted to let them go. And it became clear to me from, from, the, from the beginning that I, I could not let them go because of our shared sacrifice mm-hmm. in the American struggle and the great experiment that we've been trying to prove since the aforementioned Peloponnesian War that democracy can work. But they ultimately forced your hand. They did. Yeah. Just like when the Spartans won the Peloponnesian War, they um, completely abolished democracy for a little bit. Yeah. But hey, you know, you do what you have to do. Let's turn the wheel back toward the Afghanistan papers real quick. These were about 2,000 documents that the Washington Post had to uh, sue, I believe it was the uh, Department of Defense. I may be wrong about that. through the Freedom of Information Act twice in order to get the, the series of documents and recordings and interviews um, uh, that involved the, okay, let's remember this acronym, CIGAR, Special, in, uh, n- Special Investigative <laughs> General, nope, a, what is it, for Afghanistan Reconstruction, Special Inspector General. There it is. There it is. The Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction held these series of uh, uh, interviews with defense officials and ambassadors, people uh, with knowledge of Afghanistan, and we found that for, you know, more than a decade, you know, really since the first few months of the war, people have not felt like we had an understanding of what victory was. No. Yeah. I would say this is that I don't think there's been any great cover-up I think about that, about the war or about that in general. I think that people have just kind of accepted this war as part of life for whatever reason. Yeah. And I don't think that there was ever any doubt that it wasn't really going well. But people also, I think if if there's anything they obscured was that that there was even the slightest clue of what going well would look like. Right. Um, They, you know, in an interview, I... Read uh, as part of uh, this document release, there was this uh, this fact struck out to, uh, uh, stood out to me that like the Al Qaeda fighters uh, in uh, the Taliban fighters in Afghanistan were largely gone or had fled to Pakistan or were dead within you know six months or so of the conflict. Oh, there's a reason why Osama bin Laden was not killed in right. Afghanistan. Right. That one quote horrified me of some general saying that he thought that Osama bin Laden was laughing in his watery grave that we've spent so much blood and treasure in Afghanistan for 20 years, even though that, you know, was not helping us catch him. Right. Because the justification was that we needed to punish those responsible and somehow prevent another one from taking place. And both those things are, are very hard to justify at this point. I will say that in general, I think that we have, from my experience, progress towards enlightenment as a society. I mean, The Witcher 3 is an, <laughs> is an immersive video game that really lets you get, get understand the character yeah, and this yeah. world. It's kind of this darker fantasy world with right. trolls and everything. And I think that's just absolutely uh-huh. much better than milk sickness, which is something that we had to contend with in our free time during my time. But I will say that there is this interesting unintended... Uh, you know, consequence or perhaps like a negative externality of abolishing a military draft. And that now Afghanistan has become totally a friends and family war 
where if you don't have a friend or a family member in Afghanistan, you do not have to think about this war in the least. You don't have to but consider it. But didn't rich kids still get away with not serving in your time? Yes, but there were still draft riots sure. among the poor. Yeah, I get that. And I think that uh, I nowadays... Get, yeah. the, I, I get what you're saying. Because we don't have a communal buy-in to this conflict, we don't all feel it. Yes. Yeah. And now we we tell poor kids that there are other options. They don't have to join the military, but then we tell them that they do. And then we kind of tell them that the only way you're going to college is by, you know. And we have a very narrow definition of what success looks like. Either you're good at school for two things. One, getting grades, or two, athletics. And if you don't fit either of those, you have some sort of learning disability, the only way that you can do us proud is if you can get a sword and go fight a rock monster for the Marines. <laughs> you watch that old ad? Yeah. That's a fun one, isn't it? Yeah. Kind of made you think, like, oh, that's that'd be cool. Do you ever worry that those Call of Duty games and um, all, all of the other first-person shooters make uh, uh, are, are just serving to uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. undo that progress towards enlightenment and force people to enlist? Sure, yeah. I mean, some of the... Uh, yeah, I was trying to, like... I was trying to think of ones that do a good job. I mean... Um, I don't know about forcing people to enlist, but perhaps assuaging any concerns. Right. It's still it's still propaganda yes. at its core. Um, Abe, let's... Me being not someone who ever served in the military and you being a man out of time, keeping that in mind, let's play this out. What if tomorrow Donald Trump said, we're taking all of our troops out of Afghanistan? It would create a power vacuum. Uh, uh, it seems like we just don't trust the Afghani forces that we've been training for years. One quote from the Afghanistan report that was particularly troubling was someone general describing the Afghanistani um, security force. You saw that one? I did not. As the bottom of the barrel of an otherwise bottom of the barrel country, (sighs) which is also uh, a tough tough thing to think about with all... um, in all conflicts. Yeah. And nonetheless, I see that there has been a lot of corruption. I, I think that we've drawn borders around Afghanistan that make sense to us. But to me, it seems as if reading about the various allegiances and the customs and traditions of Afghanistan, that they are much more like uh, ancient Greece and that they have city-states and... oh. More well, of a, yeah, I mean, I was about to say maybe more corrupt, though, but I don't know much about the corruption of ancient Greece. So. I mean, you saw 300. All the <laughs> Spartan senators were on the take. Yeah, yeah I did. From the Persians. Uh-huh. The Medians. So they, they understood that they, uh, that, that, you know, Zack Snyder once again knocks it out of the yeah. park. Yeah. One even had sex with uh, the guy's wife, and that was Well, really... I wouldn't call it sex. No, that was really, that was really awful. It's a low point. But, you know, yeah. that's the trope of all Zack Snyder films. Because if you've seen Zack Snyder's uh, 300 Rise of an Empire, he doesn't direct it, but he's like... I have of... seen 300 Rise of an Empire. Oh, you have? Yeah. I wish I hadn't. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's fine. Yeah, they tried to capture the whole ships thing, but that was difficult because the Spartans historically speaking, weren't really known for their shipbuilding. No, and in the special features of 300 Rise of an Empire on the DVD, they talk about how they try and do... It's not a sequel. It's like every... It's before 300 happened, it's during 300, and then it's after 300. And I just feel like the... the I don't know. The simplicity of the first one gets lost in that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Abe, we're already just about at uh, 18 minutes here. What more do we have to say about these Afghanistan papers? I would say every American should. I mean, no one's going to read 2,000 goddamn documents, but there are some really good videos up from the Washington Post describing what all uh, was released, um, and they actually do an interview between uh, the reporter and uh, the Inspector General of Afghanistan Reconstruction. I would watch that. You know... There's a, there's a common uh, uh, American value of supporting our troops, but there's a difference between supporting our troops. It's okay to not support a war that is just fundamentally lost. Sometimes the best way to support our troops is to make sure that they don't get sent to war. Yeah, yeah. And there's a reason that only princes are the ones who declare wars, because kings live long enough to know that wars are uh, rarely ever... Uh, Final. That's a good quote, Abe. Was that you? Which which one? That one you just off the dome just now. The princes are the ones to start wars because kings, kings live long enough. I think, like a lot of things in this podcast, I stole it from Thucydides, but... Um, from what? He wrote the history of the Peloponnesian War. Okay. He died like five years before its conclusion. Gotcha. Like 434 BC to four... Yeah. Okay. I mean, he didn't die then. He died in, like, 408 B.C., but... You know, if you like The Witcher 3, you would probably like Skyrim, too. Have you checked that out? I have checked it out. It's, uh, it's, not as, it's not as good, but, like, it really blew up the idea of the fantasy world map in video games. Nice, nice. Yeah. There's a lot of good Thucydides uh, quotes, if uh, you want some more some other time. Yeah, 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 yeah. He is best who trains in the severest school. That's one of them. Like uh, Whiplash, the movie. Just like Whiplash. You ever just watched that clip of that last drum solo in Whiplash on YouTube? I have not. Folks, I think that's going to do it for us here at 15 Minutes with Lincoln. Uh, If you have any thoughts about uh, the Afghanistan papers or any questions for Abe about literally anything, email us at 15minuteswithlincoln at gmail.com. That's numerical one, five minutes with Lincoln at gmail.com. And rate, review, and subscribe the podcast. Abe, uh, any last thoughts? That does it for me. All right, we'll see you next time on 15 Minutes with Lincoln.